watching uh, Fox News yesterday morning, and there was a commentator on there that was talking about New Year's resolutions. She made the comment that uh, <clears throat> last year she really wanted to start volunteering her time and doing things to help people that couldn't help themselves. And uh, the other commentator asked her how she did. She said, I didn't do it. But it's at the top of my list this year. You know, I think most of us have thought about resolutions. Some of us do them. Some of them don't. But uh, I was just talking to folks this morning. I think uh, we got a lot of different perspectives about the new year, what it holds. We all know it's brand new year, so it's got brand new promises from God. But uh, I was reading a little story about a little boy this last week. And he loved baseball. He really did. And uh, so one morning, one Saturday morning, he gets up and goes out in the backyard, and he's got his baseball, he's got his bat, got his little baseball hat on there, and he's going to go out back, and he's going to have a good time playing baseball. And he makes this grand pronouncement that I am the greatest batter in the whole world. And so he gets his bat on his shoulder here, he throws that ball pretty high up in the air and swings at it, and uh uh-oh, strike one. So he goes and retrieves the ball and stands up there, gets his stance just right, and he's holding that ball and holding that bat in his hand, and so he throws it up again and swings as hard as he can and misses it a second time. Uh-oh. He says, well, I'm still the greatest batter of all time, and so the third time is going to be the charm. So he grabs the ball and picks it up and gets that stance absolutely perfect this time and holding that bat very firmly and throws it up in the air and misses again, strike three. Oh, no. He says, well, it's a little trouble batting against the greatest pitcher in the world as well. (laughs) So, you know, I want you to think about this. Life is all about attitude. You know, it's our attitude about how we approach life. I love that little boy's optimism and the little boy's spirit, you know, and his determination. But as we think about this new year, do we have the attitude that we need to have going into this year? I love this little video here, kind of striking some chords maybe with some of us. You know, we can approach this year one of two ways. As an optimist, you know, it's got a brand new year, you know, brand new things, and I can't wait to see what happens. And in our family, we already know some things that are kind of on the drawing board that may happen this year. We have a baby coming, a new baby coming in May, and we have a couple of our children, very interested people, and there could be at least an engagement this year, if not a marriage or two this next year too. So we're excited about all the possibilities. And God has an incredible plan for every one of us. Heard this last night. The optimist stays up until midnight to see the new year come in. The pessimist stays up till midnight to make sure the old year is gone. You know, we've all had strikeouts in the last year. We've all had some home runs in the last year. We've all had the good things. We've also had some hard things to do with. But you know what? Those of us that believe in Jesus Christ, you know what we realize? We realize that God walked every step of that last year's journey with me. I didn't have to go through it by myself. I had Jesus Christ right there by me. And even in the midst of some of the hardest things in my life, you know what? I felt this supernatural strength. I had a supernatural peace in my life because I'm going through this hard time, but I don't know where it came from. We do know where it came from. But we realize that God gave us an incredible peace in the midst of maybe a storm. Maybe some of us said goodbye to a loved one this last year. You know, but even in those situations, God is there, and God tells us that he's there in our greatest weakness. We're going to see his greatest what? His strength. God desires for you and I, no matter what we're going through in life, to live in victory. So why not enter into the brand new year this with, with the attitude that, hey, we got victory in store for us this next year. We don't know what's going to hold. We may have to fight some battles, maybe find ourselves 
tossed about on a tempest sea. But you know what? I'm going to live this year in victory. I've been the kind of guy that's done resolutions for years and kind of want to sit down and analyze this last year and try to do a better job this year. And, you know, I, I think in, in, in reality and in life we should try to do that all the time, not just on January 1st or around the end of the year or beginning of the year. But back in 2013, I told myself, you know, I'm going to get down my weight below 200 pounds. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. In 2014, I said, well, I'm going to follow my diet and maybe I'll get down to 200 pounds. In 2015, I said, I need to develop a realistic attitude about weight loss at this time of my life. Well, last year in 2016, I said, I'm going to start going to the gym three times a week and watch my diet. Well, you know, my New Year's resolution this year, and I think I can actually pull this one off. I've committed right now that I'm going to drive by a gym at least once a week. I'm going to tell you one more funny story. And I've been waiting to tell this one for months because I heard it months ago. My wife tells me, it's funny that you can't even get to the punchline without cracking up yourself. But uh, this fellow was sitting around at the end of the year and wanted to make some New Year's resolutions for his life. He said, you know, one of the things I want to be is I want to be more kind and more compassionate. I've just been too mean. I haven't taken time to help people. And this next year, as I get into this new year, I want to help people. I really want to reach out and go out of my way to help people. This fellow rode the bus back and forth to work every day. And he saw a number of people on the bus over the years, and he said, maybe I can help some of them. So on the first day after the New Year's holidays, he's riding that bus. And this lady carrying this little baby gets on that bus. She goes up there and to put her little coins, a little coin collector there, and the bus driver looks at her, and then he looks at the baby and says, man... That is the absolute ugliest baby I've ever seen. And he just goes on and on. And this guy is listening to this. He's thinking, that's not very nice. So he said, I need to do something nice for this lady when she comes back and sits down to me. So she comes back there and she starts explaining, I don't understand why that bus driver is so mean. It's my precious little baby, my beautiful little baby here. And the guy said, I, I don't know how I can help this lady. What can I do to help her? She just goes on and on and on. Maybe I need to go up and tell this guy that I didn't appreciate that. The guy said, yeah, that would be good. That'd be very good. So we talk about that for a minute. She planned her strategy. She said, hey, listen, I think that's a great idea for you to do that. Listen, when you go up to, hold, go up to talk to the bus driver, I'll hold your monkey for you, okay? <laughs> Guys, see how simple your pastor's mind is here. I thought that was one of the funniest jokes I'd heard in a long time. I actually made it through him without cracking up before the punchline. You know, as we think about... The new year. I know we all have plans. We have businesses we're running or a part of. We have children to raise. We have occasions happening in our life this year. I've heard about some of you all have some weddings on the horizon as well, too, and I'm so excited about that. Do you know what? I want to talk about resolutions for a second. Are resolutions biblical? I don't know if you've ever pondered that thought. I want to tell you right now that they are. I'm not going to have you turn here. We're going to get in some scripture here in a second. But if you were to turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 20, there's a time when the nation of Israel was under phenomenal siege and attack by armies that surrounded them. King Jehoshaphat was a king then. And he, King Jehoshaphat, the scripture tells us, resolved to inquire of the Lord. You know what God did? 
God told them to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. God answered his prayers because why? Because he resolved, he has a resolution. I'm going to turn to God in this situation. I'm going to give my situation right now, which is tenuous, which is of the utmost peril. I'm going to give it to God right now and see God do a great thing. And guess what happened? God did a great thing. In Psalm 17, when David is praying for protection in his life, King Saul stationed after him. You know, he's wanting to make his life pure. And so he says this, I have resolved that my mouth will not sin. David resolved that his mouth will not sin. It's a good resolution for people today as well. Unfortunately, sometimes we speak without thinking. Or we think, but then we think the wrong things and speak. I've shared with my men for years, one of the greatest things that we can all do to look godly is to keep our mouth closed. Daniel, remember Daniel's story. First chapter of Daniel, it says, Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. That ultimately got him in trouble. First Corinthians 2, the Apostle Paul says this, For I have resolved to know nothing while I was with you, except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Every one of these men made resolutions. Every one of these men had a resolute conviction to be committed to God in a greater way. They resolved to give their life to God yet again. We've shared over and over here in our sanctuary here, and I know in your Sunday school classes as well, God wants you and I to surrender ourselves to Him. But that's a daily process. I can't surrender today and figure that's going to last me the rest of my life. It's a getting up in the morning, God, I surrender my life to you today, God. If there's anything I'm holding on to, God, that's getting in the way of me being surrendered to you, God, show me. I don't want to live my life for this world. God, I want to live my life for you. I want to have the life, God, that you planned for me to have, but also that would bring glory to you. You know, resolution means having a fixed, and a fixed agent exists on a purpose, being determined, being steadfast. Jesus Christ was resolute as well. Jesus Christ had resolutions. Jesus Christ had priorities in his life. His priority was to preach the kingdom of God at hand. But he realized he's going to do other things like heal people. He's going to preach to people. But he was going to let the world know that the kingdom of God had arrived, that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the long-awaited Messiah, was now walking on the earth, getting ready to give his life for us. If you have your Bibles this morning, we're going to see one of those precious scriptures here in the Bible that talk about Jesus Christ walking in resoluteness, but also in the order of his priorities. Luke chapter 4, beginning with the 40th verse. Luke chapter 4, verse 40. As you find your way there, stand with me this morning, if you will, out of reverence and respect to the reading of God's holy word. Luke 4, verse 40 says this, When the sun was setting, all those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. This was at Capernaum. This was in uh, Simon Peter's mother-in-law's house where this was happening. Our little Israel trip got to see this just recently. And the demons also came out, verse 41, and many crying out and saying, You are the Christ, the Son of God. And he rebuked them, did not allow them to speak, for they knew that he was the Christ. Verse 42, Now when it was day, he departed and went into a deserted place. And the crowd sought after him and came to him and tried to keep him from leaving. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, because for this purpose I have been sent. Verse 44, And he was preaching in the synagogues of Galilee. Let's pray. Father, may you bless the reading of your holy word. Father, as we sit in your holy sanctuary today, Father, speak to our hearts, Lord. Let us put the business of our lives, Father, the hustle bustle, Father, of the coming year behind us. Let us just focus on you for a few minutes here, Father, as we understand Jesus understood his priorities, Father. 
He realized his purpose, Father. He realized that the world was going to try to keep him from holding and holding back from doing his purpose, Father. But he realized his purpose and he did it. Father, help us have that same kind of resolve. Help us to have that same kind of tenacity, Father, that we're going to serve you above all else this coming year in 2017. Father, we thank you now once again for this most precious time in your holy word. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. God gives us three very, very precious principles here about staying on track with our priorities. Let me say this about priorities, first of all. I'm here to tell you that it's important that you and I have priorities in life. What is most important in our life? I can give you what the textbook says. The most important thing that should be in yours in my life is God Almighty. God. The second most important priority in our life should be our spouse. The third most important priority in our life should be our family. And guess what? Everything else after that. God first, spouse second, family third. Everything else after that. It's important for you and I to understand our priorities, but it's also for you, uh, important for you and I to understand our purposes in all those things. Verse 42 that we just read says this, Now when, when it was day, he departed and went into the, the, uh, the deserted place. And the crowd sought him and came to him and tried to keep him from leaving him. Jesus Christ was doing a great work. Man, he was doing phenomenal things. He was healing all these people, ministering these people there in, in Capernaum. And he was making a difference in people's lives. But he realized there was even more important purpose for him. The purpose was to bring glory to God, to let the world know that he had come to earth as God's son, that God had come to earth in the form of a man. He was going to die upon that cross. He wanted them to know these things. Healing him was kind of a byproduct of that. Healing was to get, to get their attention. There must be something different about this Jesus because why? He just healed me. I've been sick for years, my whole life. Jesus just healed me. But he had a more important mission. But, you know, it's not wrong for us to want good things to keep happening. It's not wrong for us to kind of have, like to have a lot of roses in our life. But every once in a while we need to pull some roses along with the weeds out of our life. Why? Because it's keeping us from the best. You guys have all heard me mention it a number of times, Jim Collins' best-selling book, Good to Great. The biggest enemy of good is great. Biggest enemy, I'm sorry, biggest enemy of great is good. We get content with good and miss the great. God has this incredible life for you and I, but many times we get satisfied with something so far lower than what God has planned for us. We get satisfied over here when God wants to take us up here. We get satisfied over here and God said, hey, I want to show you something over here. Watch this. Hold on to me. See this right now. Jesus Christ was doing a good work, but he knew he had to leave. Listen very carefully. The world is going to try to keep you from God's purposes in your life. Think about that for a second. Maybe some of us can actually remember. I can remember that happening. I should have done this, and I didn't do it. Why? Because I was so busy over here. The world is going to try to keep you and I off balance. The world is going to try to dictate yours and my priorities. I don't know if you've had a situation by this, but many times we understand our priorities, but you know what? Because of pressure, I slipped off my priorities and kind of moved over here for a minute. We don't need to make decisions in this world based on pressures based on all the external things that happen in our life that kind of make us feel like, I've got to do this. We need to make our decisions and our life purposes based on our priorities, the priority of putting God first. What is most important in my life? God. What else is important in my life? My family, my wife, my spouse. You know, there's a way that you and I can handle the pressures of this world. One of my all-time favorite sayings, Know where you're going to stand before you have to stand there. Did you hear that? Know where you're going to stand before you have to stand there. These guys always press me over here, so I'm going to figure out my answer for them. I'm going to figure out how I'm going to handle it. 
I always have this coming up in my life, and I just don't want to get involved in those things. Figure out how you're going to handle it going forward. Understand how you're going to stand before you actually have to stand there. That's pre-planning. It's keeping your priorities straight. My priorities are that I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to do these things. Why? Because that's not where God wants me to be. My priorities are that I'm going to be a witness. God wants me to be that. I'm not going to be intimidated by my boss, be intimidated by my workplace. I'm not going to be intimidated by fear. I'm going to do what God has called me out to do. Understanding that the world is going to keep us off balance. The world is going to try to impact us. You know, if you want a very clear illustration, think about what's going on today with our young people. All the things that they deal with. I praise God for the young people in this church because they're standing strong. But you know, they face it every day too. The peer you know, a lot of times we think peer pressure is just uh, set aside for little, life, little, little fellows, little people, young people. But adults deal with peer pressure as well. You know, I think I need to do this to advance in the company. I think I need to do this to kind of work my way up. All the different things sometimes that we feel like we have to do because of pressure. Look at verse 43. They wanted him to stay, but Jesus said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also because this purpose I have been sent. Jesus Christ understood his purpose. It was to preach the kingdom of God. I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly, Jesus Christ said. How does it apply to us? I want you to understand this. Psalms 112.4 says this. It says, under the upright there rises light in the darkness. What does that mean? It means the more I stand and point people towards Christ, you know what? The more light I'm going to see. The more insight I'm going to have. The more vision I'm going to have from God. The more I stand like him. None of us are ever going to stand perpendicular. Only Jesus Christ is the only one that ever stood perfectly in this world. Do you know what we need to do is struggle every day to get as upright as we can and walk in such a way as that we point people to God. What happens? God illuminates your life like you've never seen before. You see things you've never seen before. You begin seeing people with a whole different way. You know, there's a lot of mean, brutal people out there, and isn't it sad that we see a lot of them come out of the closet at Christmas time? It's amazing how mean they are and how hardcore they are and how rude they are at Christmas time of all times. You know, the immediate response we want to have is be rude back sometimes maybe. That's not what God wants us to do. When we are focused and our priorities to walk upright, you know what happens? We begin loving them instead of feeling bad about them or being, wanting to be mean to them. We begin realizing that person needs Jesus Christ. And how is that person ever going to get Jesus Christ if I don't look like a Christian and love on them, even if it's just in a passing moment at a grocery store or a Walmart or something? Romans 12.2 says this, Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove the good and perfect acceptable will of God. Isn't it awesome that when I walk upright, God shows me more light, but also I can get to a point in my life when I can begin proving and understanding this is God's will for my life right now. This is what God wants me to be right now. This is what God wants to do in my life. The final point here that Jesus Christ makes in this little scripture here is, he said he had to leave and go preach the kingdom of God. And then verse 44 says he did it. It says, and he was preaching in the synagogues of Galilee. Jesus was faithful to his calling. Jesus knew the world was going to try to dictate his priorities. The world was going to try to get his focus on them as opposed to his mission from God. But he knew his purpose, and he did his purpose. There's three levels of faithfulness that you and I maybe have been part of in the past, but... We can understand here. There's a verbal part of faithfulness which says, hey, I can be faithful. You've got to talk about it. Let's talk about being faithful. And then there's behavioral faithfulness. I want to begin acting faithful. I want to begin doing the things that I'm supposed to do. 
And then the third level where we want to get, and many of you already are, is being faithful. It's who I am. The DNA of my person is faithful to God. It's my everything. When you and I begin walking in greater faith, you know what happens? God takes an ordinary person and does extraordinary things. It all comes from that faith. How do we get faith, you say? The Bible tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. How much time am I spending in God's Holy Word? As we look forward to 2017, I want you to realize that history this year is not going to be written for him. It's going to be an experience for him. We're going to all have different experiences this year, but some of them may be included in joy. I'm praying that we all have much joy this year because of God. Some of us may have some sorrow. There may be separation. I'm praying there will be time of service when we give ourselves away to the people. A time of sacrifice when we give ourselves away for the Lord. A time of surrender. But I want you to know right now that God desires to exalt the new life that you have in Him this year. What does that mean? It means He wants to show you something different every day. He wants you to see miracles in your life and understand the miracles that God gives us every day in our life. God wants you to understand that He says, just like Jesus Christ was dead and buried, so we've been buried in baptism and raised in newness of life out of Romans 6.4. You and I have this brand new life. God wants to show you a brand new life. I love the fact we're in church on the first day of the year. But listen, every day is a brand new life for you, brand new experience. God wants to do a brand new adventure in your life. And I want to get up in the morning looking for that adventure. I want to get up in the morning expecting that adventure in my life and expect God to do great things in my life. In the year 2017, we have 365 days. We got 8,760 hours, and we got 525,600 minutes. We have a lot of time this next year. The Bible tells us in Psalms 90, teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. What's that saying to you and I? It's saying we need to redeem the time. It tells us that twice in the Bible, one of those times in Timothy. God's saying redeem the time. What does that mean? It means make your time count. We've talked about this before, but can you imagine if you got some very bad news tomorrow? The doctor said you only got about a week to live. Man, that whole week would be different. We'd have a completely different week this week because we realize, man, I only got seven days to live. We personally know some folks right now that have been given kind of a time frame for their life. They don't know for sure, but the doctors are estimating. You know, they're, they're living their life for the glory of God like they've never lived before. Had several conversations over the last couple of weeks here with different folks that curious about, you know, would it be better if I just got taken out of here immediately or I had a number of years to kind of ponder it or some time to ponder it? I said, well, I think most people want to have some time so they can say goodbye and spend the precious time. But you know what? We should all live every single day with no regrets. If God takes me home tomorrow, I'm not leaving one single person behind that doesn't know that I love them that doesn't know how much I care about them, how precious they are to me. I want to live my life in such a way as if I leave tomorrow, man, i got all the bases covered. I know where I'm going, but also, you know, the people I'm leaving behind, I want them to make sure, that I want them to know how much I love them. I don't want to leave any embroiled relationships behind. I don't want to leave any situations behind where I should have taken the time to reconcile, especially with family members. You and I have an incredible opportunity to live our life for His glory. I want you to think about this year, from your perspective, what are some of the things in your heart and mind you're thinking about this year that I want to try to do better? I want to improve and, and increase upon the things I did last year. I want to see these things. It could be all the way from your business, from your, your job, to your home, to your family. But it needs to be prioritized properly. God first. 
What do I want to see this year in my experience with God? You have a vision for your year this year. You know what else? God has a vision for your year too. What does God want to do with your life this year? What does God want to show you this year? <coughs> God has an incredible purpose for your life. I want to share with you just three thoughts. Maybe get your mind rolling on resolutions. I got them all on one sheet of paper. They'll be up in front of you there in a second. Number one, how will you honor Jesus Christ this next year? How will you honor him? I can tell you first and foremost on that resolution list, it should be I want a more intimate relationship with God. I want to grow closer to God this year. And I can tell you the two ways to do that. Very simply, begin reading the Bible more. I know most of you read it every day. Try to. Begin reading it more. There's two ways to do it. You can read all the way through it. We inserted a little uh, sheet for you. It starts today. Read the Bible through in a year. Many folks have done this over the years in our church here. Several years ago, we did it for the very first time in our church and had all kinds of folks doing it. Yeah, I believe it truly changed the trajectory of their life. It changed them. They realized God's Word and how deep it was. There's another way to do it, though. Pick out a book of the Bible and just begin studying it. There's a freeway course through the Bible, which is kind of reading it one, all the way through in one year. Then there's a scenic tour on the Skyline Drive. The other way is get a book of the Bible. Maybe buy yourself a commentary. Maybe study with somebody else and just go through that Bible a couple of verses at a time and think about it together in your own quiet time and precious time. I mentioned two ways. Number one way is to read the Bible. The second way is get involved with a Bible study. we got some great Sunday school classes going on here at this church right now. They're growing too. I don't know if you've noticed there, but they're a little bit fuller than they were a few weeks ago before we started one service. In fact, I'll tell you right now, we're averaging 25 more people, in, adults, in Sunday school right now than we were before we went to one service. So praise God for that. But you know those folks in those Sunday school classes, I've talked to a number of them and some of the teachers, they're having a great time getting to know each other, studying God's Word together, building the bond between each other, but also growing in the Lord. Why? Because they get to look at some Scripture and talk about it, share questions and share their testimonies about, hey, that verse, I got, I got that verse back when I was going through this time in my life, and it changed my life. Oh, really? Tell me about that. Yeah, it did. Just hearing the testimonies about the power of God's Word, but also understanding it. And when they're talking about a certain verse, you can sit there and say, hey, I don't understand that. Can you go through that again? Yeah, let's talk about it for a while so I can understand that verse. It's getting to know God intimately. You know, it's not going to happen accidentally. It's not going to happen just by walking into this church. You can hear a few things in my sermon here. But it's going to happen when you dedicate yourself and apply yourself to spend time in God's Word and really understand it. Read the Bible through, read Scripture, and go to Sunday school. The second resolution to think about, how can we build a better family? How will I build a better family? I think in keeping your priorities straight, make sure you have your priorities there. But you've heard this before too, that love is spelled T-I-M-E. T-I-M-E. It's that way with God. I'm not going to get to know God better and more intimate with Him without spending time. I can't get to know my family and spend the t without spending the time there and being there for them. There's all kinds of distractions out there, but I want to be with my family. I, I don't want to miss the special occasions of my family. <clears throat> well, Pastor, you say, how can I do this? First of all, pray about it. God, help me figure out how I can get more time in the right places with God and with my family. Then plan it. Pray about it, and then begin planning it. It's like praying for rain and carrying an umbrella everywhere you go. You know, I'm ready for it. But begin planning it. Then prioritize it. Say, hey, this is more important than that. I can tell you a little story. We used to talk about having a date night every Friday night and a family night when the kids came along. And uh, so Friday nights are a family night. Well, every once in a while, the old pastor here would get invited to 
some Sunday school meeting or Sunday school or something like that, and I'll say, okay. They ask me, do you have any plans? No. I knew full well that my family night, but we didn't have specific plans, okay? So I say, yeah, well, yeah, I can be there. So what do I do? Well, think it straight, okay? I do have plans. It's family night. I don't know what we're doing exactly, but it's family night, so I'm sorry I can't make it. We need to get that serious, that dedicated, that focus. I'm going to tell you that it goes so fast. Three kids now that are living outside the home, I can't, it's like a flash in the pan. It's like a blink of an eye and they're gone already. How'd that happen so quickly? I think when you truly begin praying about it, you plan it, you prioritize it, you can begin expecting it. God's going to give you more time in the right areas. And the final thought here this morning, resolution-wise, how will we influence the world? Paul in 1 Corinthians 9 says, I have become all things to all people that I might by all means lead some to the Lord. You know what he's saying here? He's saying, I'm going to do whatever it takes to be a witness. I'm going to do whatever it takes to make a difference in this world. Many people think that, you know, I, I can't really make a difference in this world because uh, there's just too many problems out there. I'm just one guy. You know what God wants you to do? He wants you to begin by making a difference in one other person's life and then a second person's life. I know as we all think this morning, we can probably think of somebody in my life, our lives, that needs a touch from Jesus Christ. Who is that? I begin praying, God, open those doors. God, give me the courage. God, let me be put in their path this week that I can talk to them about Jesus Christ, that I can share my faith, that I can be there for them. Let me be that bright beacon in my workplace. Let me be that person that God wants me to be. I read this by Henry Ford the other day. Henry Ford said this. He says, most successful people get ahead during the time that other people waste. You know, be maybe sitting here today thinking, you know, I, I have such a busy life. Well, what are some of the things in your life that you can jettison that aren't on the top three priority list in your life? What are some of the things I spend time doing that I could have somebody else do or I could just not do or put off till later because I want to spend this time? There's no time like the present. I think you're all familiar with the story that comes out of Matthew, the rich young ruler. He came to Jesus Christ and said, hey, what do I need to do to inherit the kingdom of heaven? Jesus Christ initially said, well, you need to follow the commandments. He said, oh, I do a pretty good job, man. I follow those. And so then remember what Jesus said? Okay. He realized nobody's perfect. He, he told him to do this. Jesus said, if you, want to be go, if you want to be perfect, go sell on what you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. He was telling this rich man to give up what he's holding on to in this world. The young man heard this saying and went away sorrowful, for he had great treasures, the Scripture says. I don't believe that God's expecting all of us to sell everything we have to follow him. I need, there need to be an attitude there that if you ask me, though, I'd be willing to do it because I want to follow you first and foremost, my number one priority. I can tell you this, too, personal experience, having lost everything at one point in my life because of some bad judgments and bad business decisions. One of the greatest learning experiences I've ever had, getting rid of all that stuff, starting over, realizing that's not that important in the big scheme of things. But the question this morning is, you and I prepared to depart here. Is there anything in my life that I'm holding on to today that's going to keep me from receiving the fullness of God's riches this year? What am I holding on to right now that I can probably loosen up my grip or let go of altogether? That I can live this year fully devoted to Him, sold out to Him, living for Him full time with everything I have completely surrendered.